hello everyone. Um, today we'll be talking about identity and belonging, um, second generation migrants um, of African descent in Athens um, and their unique experiences uh, from a resulting from a legal framework that's um, quite restrictive and an idea of Greekness that's also quite uh, narrow and racialized. Um, so to talk about all this, I have with me Natani Petros. She's the diversity network officer at Generation 2.0. And yeah, I will let her talk about this. So Natani, if you can tell us a bit about yourself and about Generation 2.0, your position, your work. Sure, yeah. First of all, thank you very much for <laughs> inviting us to be part of this series. So I am Natani Petros. My parents are from Ethiopia, but I was born and raised uh, in Athens, Greece. That makes me, as you said, a second generation. And I am currently the diversity network officer of the organization. So in terms of what we do, uh, Generation 2.0 Red is an initiative that launched back in 2006 by a group of young people with migrant origins. Uh, we operated firstly as an informal uh, group and we had the mission, actually our mission was mostly focused on securing the rights of, as we call it, the invisible uh, generation of children born and or raised in Greece from migrant backgrounds. Overall today, Generation 2.0 Red promotes the equal um, participation of diverse society through the empowerment of communities and uh, individuals. Combining research and action, we advocate for the rights of people of different uh, origin, nationality, uh, race, color, religion, and of course, including uh, any type of um, intersectionality. So in terms of our main field of intervention, um, it's uh, advocacy actually, aiming to monitor the competent authorities and the proper, uh, in general, implementation of the laws regarding migration and intervenes in cases of uh, rights violations. So our main target is basically citizenship, immigration, uh, equal treatment, um, racism and discrimination, and community empowerment. Of course, at the same time, we also provide free services to population with migrant backgrounds such as legal counseling, uh, Greek and citizenship lessons, and of course, uh, career counseling. Okay, nice. Um, so as I said, um, Greece has a pretty restrictive citizenship regime compared to other EU countries and to the UK, mm -hmm. um, which makes it really hard for long-term migrants uh, to, to become citizens. And most importantly, for people who are actually born in Greece, but to non-Greek parents. So I would like you to kind of tell, tell us how can someone access citizenship at the moment? And maybe briefly, because of course this is a bit uh, technical, uh, the recent changes, this 2010 um, change and what happened at the Constitutional Court, if, um, if you think it's relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first of all, um, the first step to understand the context of citizenship, citizenship in Greece is to understand also the principle that is based on rights. So in Greece in general, there is the law of blood. So in the case of uh, law of blood, the child's citizenship is determined by its parents' citizenship. So in Greece, really that 
basically has worked and still works as a barrier because in the case of first generation migrants who came in the late 70s, 80s, 90s in Greece and become parents or uh, brought the child at an early age, there were so many legal gaps that existed in the system and still exist that really made the process of even having a residence permit difficult and complex to uh, access and let alone be granted with citizenship through the process of uh, naturalization. So these legal gaps from the past brings us to the present and really the effects are impactful because most of the second generation individuals uh, had access, actual access to the citizenship after 2015 uh, when the actual law was uh, established. Until then, most of us really didn't have any citizenship. And that means you couldn't participate in elections, you didn't have work access to the public sector, and therefore uh, permanent employment. And in general, you were treated as a third uh, country national, even though you had lived all your life uh, in a country member of EU, right? So. So um, basically, there are three specific milestones that changed the citizenship setting in Greece. So the first milestone, as you mentioned, is the year of 2010, uh, where there was an extensive reform of uh, the provisions of naturalization. And the, for the first time, there was a provision introduced for the granting of citizenship to the second generation due to birth in Greece and or attending to Greek school, right? So the second milestone comes in 2013, which uh, the Council of State uh, ruled the acquisition of citizenship by application declaration for the second generation was unconstitutional. So at that point, basically everything froze and um, the foreigners and immigration directorates were not either accepting new application or examining the ones that already existed. And the third milestone, the final one, comes in 2015 when the relevant uh, law finally established the law of citizenship for the second generation, and it is the one that uh, exists until today. Okay, great, great. Um, you've touched upon this a little bit, but I would like to hear more about your kind of experience growing up and living in Athens under these kind of very, I don't know, strange and... Um, yeah. 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 Well, the truth is that the dominant feeling growing up in Greece is definitely the feeling that you don't belong, that you are not uh, actual part of the Greek society just because of who I am actually. So the truth is that before adulthood, before turning 18, you don't really realize how a piece of paper may affect you and may affect the way you involve within in society and in general in the world. So I have so many experiences, it's quite a bummer, but I, I do have a lot of experiences. But the truth is that my first wake up call to reality was uh, definitely once I finished school, uh, it was back in 2010. So I decided to take a gap year before entering university. And so at my gap year, I wanted to find my you know, first job so I can finally become independent. So the time when uh, an employee wanted to hire me, even though I had a residence permit, I didn't have access to labor market. 
because as underage, I had just turned uh, 18, as I mentioned before, my permit was part of my parents' permit, you know, as a family member. So therefore, I had to wait for the permit to expire and then do the application for the residence permit that grants you with work access, you know, such a huge process. And I just waited for like, it was, I think, seven, eight months. Uh, half of the year uh, was gone without doing nothing. And it was really disappointing because, you know, it feels, it felt actually unfair. And most importantly, you couldn't understand why uh, I had to prove my legality since I was born and raised in Greece, right? And um, the most unfortunate part of all these uh, types of events and experiences is that you experience them while you are young, you know, you're still carefree. You don't really understand how the world uh, works. So you pass by through different phases like anger, frustration, sadness, hopelessness. But it's definitely, I would say, if I see it in a more uh, positive way, it is a process that brings you in a state of realization. It definitely makes you work harder for the next generation not having the same uh, issues as us. So I would like to talk about the, the this um, kind of Afro-Greek identity mm-hmm. um, and, and the potential it holds for the, for diversifying Greek identity. To me, there, there seems to be something changing in, in kind of the collective imagination and understanding of Greekness. Um, as, as kind of more and more uh, people of color, and especially Afro-Greeks, they're very vocal, they claim visibility and, and put forward this, this identity. So in a way, and, and, and to some extent, the idea of, of Greeks of color, uh, I think it, it's becoming more kind of every day. And I, I also think that there is more, um, a lot more representation in, in, for sure, in the art scene and then in pop culture, especially mainstream culture and even the TV, you know. So w- would you agree with that? And, and, and is that something that helps? Is that, uh, how, what does it mean for everyday life? In terms of whether um, the idea of uh, Greeks of color becoming more every day. I would say definitely no, it's not becoming an everyday thing because the understanding of Greekness uh, in general uh, relies strongly on the um, white originated from the Asian Greece identity, right? So it is very limited the perception of the Greekness that is including any other characteristic or identity and um, I don't believe that is collective. Uh, for example, in Generation 2.0 already in our organization, we are working for a more inclusive society, right? And to claim that uh, for other countries, it may seem you know ordinary, but in Greece, we really have a long way from the diversification of the Greek identity. Because a simple example is that people often comment my Greek and they always say, how do you speak Greek so well? And even though that I've provided them with the whole context that I was born here, raised here. So basically that makes it my native language, right? My mother tongue. And um, yeah, most of the people are usually surprised. Um, So that means actually that people cannot 
even imagine that a person of color may be Greek, right? And uh, a simple example is also that if you take a simple walk around Athens, really you will witness uh, whiteness all around you, except if you go through a specific district. So despite the fact that there is to some extent representation uh, in the Greek art scene or even sports, uh, I believe it's not still, it's not enough because the representation is not vertical, meaning that it's not across all industries and uh, of course hierarchies and surely it's not at a level that reflects uh, the good society. And I think it comes as no surprise that people of color are more visible only to these specific areas, right? Like arts, pop culture and sports. So definitely concluding, I would say that we have uh, a long way to go. So uh, in terms of the Afro-Greek identity, so, you know, the power of names and naming is definitely part of the involving language, right? Of the involving language of uh, diversity and definitely highlights that groups of people who have been excluded or marginalized in the past in general are now in a place of uh, self-determination to change uh, the narrative, right? Even though um, identity can be something extremely um, personal and nuanced. So some people may identify as Afro-Greeks, others may identify by just stating the country of origin and adding that they were born or raised in Greece. I think both sides have the same objective and it's not necessarily claiming visibility, but more improving uh, visibility through self-identification and uh, definitely language reveals this change in attitudes. This brings me quite nicely to my last question, which is um, around um, racism, language discourse. Um, um, I feel that uh, race as a topic, especially in kind of the modern conceptions of race as it intersects um, with gender and class, um, I feel that this it has not been addressed in, in, in Greece. There is this narrative, as you said, that you know Greece has does not have a colonial past, it's not it was never a colonial power, there is no like this white guilt. Um, Greek identity is very much linked with like ancient Greece and certain ideas of whiteness, right? Um, so I think that yeah, there's a whole identity built around that. But obviously there is racism. Uh, it's at the same time very, very in your face. Like uh, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we witnessed with the brutal murder of the Roma youth um, by the police, but also like very covert um, and everyday, um, as you said, barriers to uh, to the job market and to um, finding a house. Uh, so for me, there is something about language here, and I think that in Greece we don't have uh, yet this kind of politically correct terminology, which, I don't know, it must affect um, like the experiences of people of color. And again, this collective imagination understanding of Greek, it's what is Greek and who can be Greek. So just one final you know, comment on this, what is your take on this, uh, both personally, but also professionally, because you are um, the diversity of mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Well, um, first of all, race and um, let alone uh, intersection, race and intersectionality 
it's definitely not part of the discourse in Greece, right? Because the discussion about race is usually absorbed under the umbrella of migration, right? Which is a broader context and not necessarily uh, related with race. And um, yeah, racism takes many forms and um, can happen in many places. And it's not only about the race-based prejudice, right? It has to do in general on the dynamic of superiority in terms of a group of persons of one color or ethnic origin, right? So in that way, it can exist in, in a variety of practices, beliefs, uh, phenomena, etc., uh, that work to reproduce a racial hierarchy and in general, a structure uh, of power and privilege for some and uh, discrimination and oppression for others. So I think um, relating racism only with uh, colonialism uh, would really narrow uh, our understanding on how racism is present and uh, a reality in many societies, including the Greek society. So yes, Greece was never a colonial power, but there is a very nationalist, ethnocentric identity, as mentioned uh, at the bit, uh, before at the beginning. And uh, that is explained by its past and recent historical dimensions, right? So there is this overall feeling of nationalism, xenophobia, and in general, uh, intolerance, which, uh, as you mentioned, it, it is reflecting on the terminologies used in the media and the politics and daily life in general. So some examples of inappropriate um, uh, wording or phrases that we have located is, for example, the phrase illegal migrant, which is unacceptable because it is undocumented. It's undocumented is the correct phrase, right? It's a correct word. And also when they speak about second generation, they always say second generation migrants for some reason. And, uh, you know, uh, that's not correct because we never migrated from the country we were born. And of course, there are also other words to use uh, used in Greek for people of color that cannot be really translated in Greek, in uh, English, excuse me. So on that basis, um, our organization, for example, uh, decided to run uh, racism to a bit more broaden the understanding of racism in order to begin to cultivate a culture of actively doing the work to challenge uh, the race we encounter in uh, our daily lives. Uh, and of course, in terms of my position on what I do, um, we facilitate diversity trainings, diversity and inclusion trainings, and we always try to tackle the inappropriate wording by uh, including sections that elaborate uh, on the terms that are acceptable to use nowadays, highlighting obviously the, the importance of consciousness when referring to other uh, social identity groups. Yeah, that's really important work. I mean, it's like having the words, um, you know, to talk about all this is really, really important. Thank you, Nathalie. Thank you for, uh, for sharing this and for your time and for uh, all this knowledge. Thank you for your time and for inviting us, of course.